I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear me. I'd rather listen to y'all for a little bit longer. Thank you for that. You know, the, the work that goes into creating music like that so that we might sing, that we might hear, that we might be invited into worship, into a deeper relationship in this moment, wherever you are, is good work. It's hard work. We're in the midst of our 40 days of love, and that's work too. Things that we get to do to allow ourselves the opportunity to engage in whatever God's calling us to. But I'm also aware that in churches, there's a danger of us being called to doing a lot of work. Doing a lot of things, allowing ourselves to be caught up in these moments in which all that we end up doing is the work. Remember when I was younger, not sure that there was a day that went by without my mom asking me, what are you doing? It happened in my house when, when things were going different and my mom would come around a corner and find me tinkering with something or have a table turned upside down or pillows all over the place. What are, what are you doing? And my answer was always, and you know this answer, it was like, I, I don't know. I don't know. That, 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 that answer is, is really clear. I don't know. But let me differentiate. It's not the same as I don't know. See, I don't know is a fully formed, fully adult response to, to what are you doing. See, I don't know. I-D-U-N-N-O. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know is shorthand for I don't know why you're asking me. My prefrontal cortex is not fully formed, and I do not have access to that information yet. So the question always became, why are you doing what are you doing? I don't know. So I ask us the question, why are you doing what you're doing? In 2009, Simon Sinek, he's an author, life coach, business development guy, he did a TED Talk titled Know Your Why. It became the foundation for this idea in business circles and beyond. He started a, a book and he's got a website and all the things. Start with why been an inspiration to a bunch of leaders, made him a lot of money, made others a lot of money. Maggie, or Margie uh, Worrell in 2013 wrote her second book called Stop Playing Safe, her first chapter, Know Your Why. Later that same year, she wrote an article for Forbes magazine entitled the same thing, Understand Your Why. Apparently, along both of these individuals' paths to success, they ran into my mom. She's still waiting for the royalty checks. 
Do you know your why? I mean, I guess the question is, I, I'm fully aware that as we walk into worship, we come with all sorts of different whys. Why God has drawn you here. Why God has drawn you into relationship with him. We come with all sorts of different things that we're hoping to hear and experience. Even if you don't know, or you dunno. I consider myself a practical theologian, and I believe in a gospel that makes a difference in the world. It makes a difference in our lives. It points to something new. It's a, it's a kingdom gospel that can ex be experienced right now, some better, more authentic way of being human, the way that God has created us in the image of God more than any business success book or TED Talk or meme or quote, more than any of that, God has called us because of a why. And our role is to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in order to help us see what God is asking us to pay attention to. And as I have been studying in John and as we have started this series on love, one of the things that has become clear to me, especially in these first two weeks, that Jesus is saying, pay attention to me. Follow me, but pay attention to who I am. Love, go out and love in the world, but pay attention to who I am. And so it's with that that we walk into John 10. So as is your practice in wherever you are, would you stand for the reading of God's word? John 10, verses 11 through 21. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Part one. 
the good shepherd. In our passage, and technically throughout all of John 10, we have this analogous statement about who Jesus is. Jesus is a shepherd. He also says he's a door, but for right now, let's just focus on Jesus as shepherd. Let's talk about shepherds and why Jesus chooses this particular analogy. What do we know about shepherds? Shepherds were hired to make sure that grazing livestock were cared for and protected. In some instances, that required the livestock to travel some distance to satisfy their hunger. Shepherds would often need to fight off predators in order to keep the flock together and keep the sheep safe. Shepherds would often have to be wary of thieves as their journey was to, take the prop- was to protect the property of the shepherd's employer. The job of the shepherds may have been kept in the family and passed on to sons, or it may be hired out to someone who wasn't a part of the family. The job of nurturing the sheep, as well as protecting the sheep, were of high value and high on the job description of shepherds. This part of it is in contrast, though, to the first part of John 10, which I didn't read. John 10.1 says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Jesus talks about shepherds in contrast to thieves. Shepherds and thieves. Shepherds and thieves. When you read through John at some level, it feels like this is just set in as a story about shepherds and thieves that doesn't have a real connection to the rest of what's going on. So let me put this in context for us. In the previous chapter, Jesus heals a blind man on the Sabbath. The Pharisees go out, they investigate, and insult the guy who was healed and throw him out of the synagogue. The blind man who was healed, he leaves. And Jesus actually goes and finds the man, reveals that he is the one who healed him, and the man worships Jesus. In this moment, you can see that Jesus is the one who is nurturing the man. Jesus makes this statement. He says, For judgment... I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who, will, who see will become blind. He says that in 9, verse 39. And some Pharisees are around and they're a bit baffled about Jesus' statement and they ask, are we blind too? And Jesus does not say, I don't know. Matter of fact, in short, Jesus says, yeah, you're, you're guilty. Then Jesus launches into this explanation about shepherds and thieves. As far as we know, there aren't just some shepherds nearby, and Jesus is saying, hey, it's like those shepherds over there. This isn't a moment where Jesus is thinking about all the stories around his birth and are thinking, oh yeah, shepherds, that's important, we should bring that up. 
More than likely, Jesus is making a reference for the benefit of the Pharisees and the hope that they might see something clearly. He's making a reference for the disciples who may know their scriptures very well. See, Jesus is picking up on something said in Ezekiel 34. I really invite you to read the whole entire chapter because that is going to give you a really good understanding of what is being said here. But for now, I want you to hear this. Ezekiel 34, verses 1 through 5. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, Prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains on every high hill. They were scattered over the, the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Remember what has just happened. There is a man who was healed, who was blind, who is sitting there, who's been nurtured by Jesus, when the Pharisees are there as well, who were the ones that kicked him out of the synagogue. Jesus' statement about being a shepherd is one saying, I am a shepherd, you are not. If they had been studied, the Pharisees would have very quickly understood what Jesus was talking about. It would not have been a stretch for them to kind of sit back and understand what was going on in these moments. So why does Jesus speak of himself as a shepherd? It is core to who Jesus is. Shepherds are nurturers. Jesus is a nurturer because he has revealed himself and he is known and knowable. He is known and knowable to the disciples, to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, like we heard last week, to the Pharisees who are sitting in front of him, to the blind man who he heals, to you who are sitting wherever you are in this particular moment, to myself as I stand here speaking, Jesus is known and knowable. Shepherds are protectors. Jesus is a protector, and we see the way that he has gathered this man who was blind and healed him. He gathered him to himself and decided to walk with him. Jesus mentions that he is the gate for the sheep in John 10, verse 7. Jesus is getting beyond what he is doing and getting them to understand why. For the sake of the Pharisees, for the sake of the disciples, for the sake of you, for the sake of me, Jesus wants us to be clear about who he is and why we can trust him. Part two. 
So now we can see in the passage why he's talking about shepherds and shepherding, but why is he the good shepherd? Jesus could consider himself the shepherd as far as I'm concerned, given what he's already said, but he says, I am the good shepherd. Ezekiel 34, let's go back there for a moment. Verses 10 through 15. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. And then he says this, and this is what I want you to get. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from the places where they are scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out of the nation, out of the from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, in the settlements of all the land. I will tend them in good pasture, and the mountains of heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and they will feed in a rich pasture of the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. A few things are important here. When we look at the section of Scripture alongside of what Jesus is saying in John chapter 10, we find that the Sovereign Lord has come to search for His sheep. Through the incarnation of Jesus, the presence of God in this world, Jesus is here searching for His sheep. And let's be clear, we are the sheep. And our task is to follow the Good Shepherd's voice in the midst of the kingdom that has been set out for us. And in that, we will live life abundant, verse 10. We are not the Good Shepherd. We are not shepherds. And for those of us who consider ourselves shepherds, there's a warning in these words. John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Jesus has already used this phrase a few times in John, ego, a me, I am. And as recent as chapter 8, Verse 58 and 59, we find Jesus using that term significantly, saying, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. That phrase, I am, is one that causes people to want to kill Jesus. It is one that, that is an indication of Jesus' divinity. Jesus' authority, his statement as good does not rest on Jesus' miracles or his teaching, but in who he is. 
the early church wrestled over this. As we hear in the Nicene Creed, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence of the Father. Through him all things were made. Jesus is the I am. Jesus is good. Jesus is the genuine shepherd. In contrast to the shepherds of Israel, whom the sovereign Lord is against, Jesus is good. It is the mark of a good shepherd to know sheep, to be with them as Emmanuel. It is the mark of a good shepherd to lead sheep well. They know him and listen to his voice. It is the mark of a good shepherd to lay down his life for his sheep. Jesus lays down his life for his sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is clearly aware of his why. He is clearly aware of his purpose. He is to teach and pr to protect and to lead, but he is also to obey the Father and be God's agent whose actions shift our attention to the Father, not specifically to Jesus. The books of John, not just the Gospel of John, but 1, 2, and 3 of John rest on the reality of this relationship of love between Jesus and the Father. It is also the motivation for John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, to go out into the world and tell the story of Jesus and express that we are to imitate Jesus in loving others. The good shepherd does the will of the Father. John 10, verses 17 and 18. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Jesus speaks of his death and resurrection as a charge that he receives from the Father that encompasses everything that he's doing in a moment. At the center of this conversation is one sentence. And I think sometimes it gets lost in John 10 because we rush to John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I come to give you life and life abundantly, and we run around with that holding on to it. Amidst the conversation about thieves and shepherds and gates, conversation about Jesus' identity, his mission, and his authority to heal on the Sabbath, the contrast of life abundant and the theft 
and death and destruction. In the middle of all that, Jesus offers an invitation to the whole entire world. Verse 16 says this, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock, one shepherd. Did you hear it? Did you miss it? Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. Church, our job, our responsibility, our existence depends on the fact that we are here for the ones who are not here yet. And Jesus says these words, I must bring them also. I must bring them also. The God of heaven, the creator of the earth, has such deep passion, such deep-filled mercy and love for his sheep on the outside that he sends Jesus to lay down his life so that you and I might enter into a sheep pen that wasn't created for us. As one writer states, Jesus' mission is to set others free so that they can enter into the Father's inheritance through Jesus. Jesus lays down his life. Jesus raises from the dead that we may know that we are his and that we have purpose. God loves us. We know that because of what we heard last week, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. It's clear, it is direct. Jesus loves his followers. We hear that in John 15, 9, as he prays for his followers. The what of Jesus' words and action are just th good things. They're good teachings if not seen through the lens of why, I must bring them also because I love them. It's the why that allows us to know the good news of the gospel. It's the why that made me leave a career that I wanted for one that I didn't want but would never leave. It's the why that draws us in. It's the why that helps us sing the words that we sing. That we're chasing after Jesus. Why? Because he chased after us first. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you haven't known this Jesus who chases after you, I would invite you. I would invite you just to offer up a prayer. A prayer that says, God, I don't know what that means to be known by you. But because of what you've done, I want that. I want to begin a life that is marked by one who loves me. 
so that I could be yours and I could follow you. Church, without this why, what we do doesn't matter. It's, it's the why that is an invitation to the mission of God, and it's, it's these moments where I realize I could probably walk away from this sermon, but my teaching and my, my passion would lead me, so hold on just a couple more minutes. There's a video that I want you to see because I think it enumerates exactly our job, our responsibility in knowing who it is that draws us Check this out. How do I know? A lot of people, when they think of the phrase, how do I know, they always want to put the what behind it. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? The, the question that you really should ask is, how do I know why I'm here? Because when you know your why, your what becomes more clear and more impactful. If you know, like for instance, um, people know that I do comedy, but that's what I do. My why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. So I can do comedy, I can write books, I can be in a movie, because all of it is motivated by my why. In fact, I have a new, uh, a new web series out called Michael Jr. Break Time. Uh, we probably just did the sixth episode. It's on YouTube. So every single Wednesday at three o'clock, we drop a new episode on YouTube of Michael Jr. Break Time. What it is, is it's me, I travel around the country and I do stand-up comedy, in case you didn't know. <laughs> and in the middle of my comedy set sometime, I'll stop and just talk to my audience. And we've been filming this and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. So <laughs> we're in Winston-Salem. I'm gonna show you a clip from Winston-Salem. And I'm just talking to this guy in the audience and he tells me that he's a, uh, a musical instructor at a school. So I was like, all right, you're a musical instructor. You know, can you sing? Let me hear you sing a song. So this is what happened at the last episode of Michael Jr.'s Break Time. Check it. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let, me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That bro could sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Um, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like 
Here's what I want you to catch. The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what becomes more impactful because you're walking towards or in your purpose. To be honest, I just wanted him to sing Amazing Grace again. We can trust the Good Shepherd because he protects us. Not from the pain of this world, but from the agony of the separation from the Father. We can trust the Good Shepherd because what he does, the Father requires of him. When we go out so that we can love, we can speak words of mercy and act justly because we have been nurtured by the Good Shepherd. We go out where we are called and obey the voice of the Good Shepherd because he has proven himself as a trustworthy guide. We speak words and engage actions of re reconciliation because we have been welcomed into a family of all cultures, all ethnicities, all languages created in the image of God. As you go and do, remember that you are listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit because today Jesus is saying to you and to me, pay attention to me. Follow, but pay attention to who I am. Obey, but remember that I am good. Love, but remember that I loved you first. Go, church. Go and put some stank on it. Thank you.